Hello, welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in this very special episode, we're interviewing Simone Kirby, who plays Mary Malone in the His Dark Materials TV series. This episode contains spoilers for the Amber Spyglass book and the TV series. So if you've not read or watched both, please come back when you're all caught up. So I think have a couple of little cheeky secret Commonwealth spoilers. So be aware of that as you're going in. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> I think Simone brings it up. So yeah. sorry about it. Yeah, that's true. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. hello. <laughs> Here we are again with another interview, another one in the bag. Oh, so mm-hmm. exciting. Just a little peek behind the scenes here. We usually record these intros and outros after we've already spoken to the person. Mm-hmm. And I have to say. I always struggle not to be incredibly hyper after we've done an interview, especially when it's with someone as lovely as Simone. Yeah. I just, yeah. I've had a really good day. Yeah. I love Simone. (laughs) Honestly, Simone, again, I feel like we've said this about a lot of people, but Simone has always been a really big supporter of the podcast. Uh, And I remember very vividly when she first got cast and we were like, we need to chat to you. And she was like, I love your podcast. And it was just so great. Uh, and yeah it's been lovely to see her journey over the two seasons and she absolutely smashed playing Mary Millen and I've never seen anyone on Twitter or social media say anything different Mm -hmm. she just is Mary Malone it's perfect and I absolutely love being able to ask her the questions that we desperately wanted to ask after having seen the series and all of her answers are always so enthusiastic insightful like she gives us everything. Mm-hmm. She doesn't hold back. And I absolutely love that. So I can't wait for you all to listen. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, let's not keep you any longer, I guess. Go and listen. Yeah. Off your pop. This is it. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> so, hi, Simone. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hi. Hi. Thanks. Oh, we're so no happy problem. to have you. Let's delve in. It's the end. It's the end of an era. It's the end of season three. It's done. It's wrapped. How are you feeling about it? It's weird. When we were all at the premiere and it was really lovely to see everybody at the BFI, when we left, somebody said, oh, it's really sad. We won't like all see each other like this again. And then I went, oh, my God, we won't. That's we're not filming again this year it's you know so I think in my head I had just sort of thought of course we'll see each other again I know that it hit me when we cut on my very last scene I did have a little cry they gave me this cool thing that you can see in the background the amber on a inscription is uh written in in Malefa language you know it's inscribed in Malefa so that's so they did they did this gorgeous presentation and I had a cry and so it did hit me at the time and I was really sad getting out of her costume and that but I think you're so exhausted by the end of a shoot that you do sort of just go oh that's kind of a relief as well but yeah being around the gang we did comic-con and we did the bfi and I'm so used to those people now that it is like a little family and the idea of us not being like that anymore is really sad yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. I missed them. Yeah. I was going to ask how it's been this season with, because I know season two was quite an odd promotion schedule, I guess, because there kind of wasn't one because we were in the middle of lockdown and pandemic stuff. So how has season three been with getting to do events like Comic-Con and going to the BFI and going to Hay Festival? Like how, how have you found that experience of like actually getting to meet fans in person and do all the promo stuff (laughs) hay festival was amazing i loved i absolutely love that festival i was there a day early as well to do this poetry reading thing and then amir we we went backstage after the q a and then amir was like i'm going out to meet everybody and and he went out and i was like can we do that can we go out and meet everybody so we both went out and everyone we had to like the the ushers were like can you please move all this to the corridor we have another event starting in here in five minutes (laughs) So we went to the corridor and people like queued up to me. It was lovely. And and you don't get to do that. You don't get to see people in that way. 
on most other shows. So that was really lovely. Uh, I didn't get to do it at Comic-Con. I was kind of disappointed that arrived in a car, did the Q&A, left in the car. And I was like, but I wanted to see everybody's costumes and I wanted to go and see your stall. And, oh, and we didn't get to do any of that, you know. So uh, I, if I ever get the chance to do Comic-Con again, I'm going to have to make sure that I get to like come off stage and then go into the venue and see everybody. Because that's the whole thing at Comic-Con. Yeah. It's a it's mm-hmm. a huge event. It's quite scary, though. It's quite a intimidating right. building. It's very it's always very, very busy. So I'm not surprised that they were like, no, yeah. no, stay away from the crowds. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, even driving through and seeing people, there was a guy dressed up as Postman Pat and it was like the cartoon <laughs> was walking down the street. It was so detailed and perfect. I, I, uh, and then there was one of the girls who in the Q&A who was dressed as this blue character, this princess dress and she was all painted blue I didn't know who the hell she was but it was so gorgeous and all I wanted to do was see everybody's costumes oh yeah. so great at hair festival was great we loved getting to chat to you and Amir there and it was really funny because we obviously were watching the q and and I remember you saying to us afterwards like we could see you two so clearly in that audience because <laughs> I was wearing that like really bright like hoodie <laughs> and it was like us and then like a sea of kids and it was lovely because like the children were loving it and they were asking really great questions and it was just like me and Rach plonked in the middle amongst a bunch of children um and then when we saw Ramia come out afterwards and like he was like being lovely to all the kids and stuff but I was like I think we are the only adults in this room and I'm fine with that (laughs) yeah there was but they ask the best questions I love when the kids are given the microphones because they are the best questions Mm -hmm. um I think sometimes yeah, adults are almost too cynical about science fiction in general. So they ask kind of quite cynical questions, not always, but some of them. But the kids are just like, what was your favourite? This or that? Like, I, I, Yeah, I love when the kids ask the questions. They should always be allowed. Definitely. <laughs> it was one of my favourite parts of the premiere when um, I think it was one of um, Dan's kids was putting their hand up and she was the one that asked what... Ruth's favourite costume was and I was like yes best question (laughs) yeah yeah and actually the last episode I watched when Ruth took out the purple dress I was like oh that was her favourite costume yeah (laughs) we said the same in our episode we were like that was Ruth's (laughs) favourite and it was a a great choice you see the way nobody ever asked me what my favourite costume was which which is my favourite pair of jeans no one ever fucking asked me that (laughs) what was your favourite costume (laughs) (laughs) tell us tell us we want to know in this season, I did demand the hat. I was delighted that I got a hat. Yes. Because uh, guys always get the cool hats. I said, I want a hat, please. And uh, and then the thing is, I picked the costumes that I picked. They were gorgeous, but then they were taken away to be broken down So because Mary's been traveling so much. So by the time I got them back, they were wrecked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, guys. I did like that orange cardigan, though. There you go. Yes. Yeah. And the hat <laughs> is very practical because it's hot in Eden you know it's hot and she's picked it up somewhere along the way right she didn't leave with that hat so it has a backstory exactly exactly Mm -hmm. (laughs) did you find that particularly helpful we know that this is a great excuse to ask you all about filming on location in Spain did you how was that was it too hot was it fine did it help you feel immersed in the Malefa world like how was that experience (laughs) yeah one of the first things that we did was just lots of me walking in the heat and it was hot and it was dry so that of course lends itself you're not in a freezing studio pretending that you're hot so yeah no it definitely helped and yeah the 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 place that they had done up to look like the garden of eden that beautiful lake i mean that was stunning looking around there was you know you can hide the cameras quite well in a space like that so you're just not looking at a sea of cameras like you are in the studio or a sea of people so Spain was a great idea. I think it really helped, mm. yeah. How was it? Um, so we spoke to Russell Dodgson recently and obviously he directed a lot of the Malefa world scenes. How was it working with Russell as a, as a director? He's a nice <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, we, it, weirdly, he directed my very, very last take on season two just because it was the last day and they needed a third unit it's always running with two units but they got a third unit together and I think it was the amber unit we called it and uh, I was told uh yeah sorry your 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 very last scene Leanne can't do it anymore because she's filming the fight scene with Will and the knife and the whole thing 
so which had run over I think and uh and so they said Russell's going to direct you and I was like Russell from special effects he's going to direct me okay <laughs> and then our scheduler was going to be the first AD that was her background anyway which I didn't know and actually it was really lovely the the atmosphere on that last scene was really lovely and Russell was great so when I heard he was going to be directing a lot of my um this the monologue from episode five I was delighted because I thought you know he was really nice to work with and he was really good and he had some really good notes um and then we just became really good pals actually and we laughed a lot the two of us um and Stephen Heron as well and uh, and Joel Collins we we like the four of us together we just laughed an awful lot it was really really good fun and Russell is very collaborative he sort of uh, would approach uh, because it was a montage did I call it a monologue I meant a montage um, we sort of were given a script that had this voiceover that thankfully is gone because we could just show it rather than have Mary describe what's happening to her and uh, Russell would say okay so this bit is supposed to be a bit like okay so this is her beginning to grapple with the language okay so this next bit is supposed to be her finding the first seed pod and how do you want to do it and how do you see it and do you want to try something like this so it became really collaborative and Russell was calling it guerrilla filmmaking where we just had our own crew and we just tried stuff out and oh look the sun's going down that looks pretty hey why don't you both you and Natal just sit down and like be looking at the sunset together why don't we try something it just was the most fun I had I think on the whole two years on the show because it was just me and Russell mucking about with the crew and trying stuff out and it was really really good fun oh that's so great I love that <laughs> yeah right, speaking of Atal so season two you were puppetless you were you were demonless you had you had not you had nothing of that kind yes. of vibe around you apart from the demons of the other characters with when you were with Lyra uh all of a sudden here you are you've got Atal you've got Malefa puppets everywhere how was that experience because I guess for a lot of it I know the last episode obviously you know you're with Amir and Daphne uh how was it when it's just the scenes with just you and Atal or other Malefa how was that experience um so even on series two my scenes with Daphne there was no Pan Pan was in her bag hiding so I never oh, even yeah, got course, to see yeah. the puppets last season and everybody would talk about how amazing they were and especially Brian people talked a lot about Brian um you know and how much fun he is and I'm and I I, I imagined someone a lot older than Brian <laughs> and Brian is so giddy as well he's just hyperactive he's amazing um I worked a lot with Elliot and with Olivia who played Atal and we had the chance to uh work together a little bit we were sort of told why don't you three go into a room and just record yourselves doing some stuff I think nobody knew where to start with this so we were sort of left to our own devices going oh fucking hell what do we do uh and Elliot was great he was like okay okay let's just see how we walk around each other and you won't be able to move this way Simone because then you're gonna hit Atal on the arse because Atal is a lot bigger than you imagine because we only had the head um and we so we were just walking around and sending these videos to the guys going is this what you want do you want to see us just walking up and down the corridors of Bad Wolf Studio it's like we really didn't know where to start and then I had a linguist come in and we all sat around because obviously Olivia played Atal she had to sit around and learn the language a little bit as well even though she was going to be dubbed over after uh so th that was quite nice that felt like theatre it felt like a, we were rehearsing for a play which I'm used to which is nice and then uh and then I had to get used to doing it when when you would do a, a pass with the puppet and we'd rehearse it that way and then they'd say okay now we're going to do a pass take away the puppet and just I would have to play some really emotional scenes and there was nothing there especially that moment where she says goodbye to Atal and I'm, I'm like crying but I'm like holding nothing <laughs> <laughs> crying and ah uh, you know that's tricky <laughs> but but I by that stage thankfully I had said to them can we make sure that we do that scene really late so that I'm very used to that because if that was the first thing that I had to film, I, I just wouldn't have been able to do it. So there was a nice kind of slow build up into, and that was one of the one of the last days, thankfully. I was used to it by then. Amazing. I love that. How was that process of learning the language? You said you worked with a linguist. They, I know we had, they had someone in to kind of like 
devise how that worked. Did it feel like having to do like a crash course in a whole new language or was it very much focused on the lines themselves? Uh, yeah, well, for, for Richard, who who was our linguist, it was the first time he had done something like this as well, I think. So, um, so we were all kind of learning together. He was sort of looking at the shape of the mouth and saying, oh, there's certain sounds that that animal wouldn't be able to make. So we can't, they won't be able to form an ooh sound. It'll have to be like uh sounds. And so every time I, you know, was reading, I was remembering all the things, the notes that he'd given me about the shape of the mouth and what I was going to end up hearing. Because again, everything that Olivia said was going to be dubbed over. So I never knew how Ital was going to sound. So I was having to sort of lead the way a little bit and go, well, if I'm listening and repeating, then whatever it is I say, whoever's dubbing over Atal's voice is going to have to copy me. So really, I'm sort of leading the way here a little bit. There was some sounds that sounded uh, tricky for me. So as an Irish person, we brought it a little bit closer to that. It all sounded a little bit Asian at the beginning, just because I think Richard uh, knows Mandarin and he ended up sort of making... And then we were like... But the landscape is very African, actually. So the landscape doesn't quite fit the, the, the noises we're making. And so we pulled it back to something a bit more Celtic. And then that was easier for me, too. So, so we, it was a learning process for all. We, you know, as we were recording, I would, would record little bits and send them and try and emote them so that we could see what they were going to you know, be like off the page as well. And, uh, and yeah, we just kept changing things as we went along. So it was... Um, that's quite nice too, you know, that you, you don't have to be absolutely prepared by day one, that as you're, as the weeks are going on and you're filming, you're realising, oh, actually, this kind of works a little bit better than that. And uh, I had to do like arm gestures, but we cut a lot of those out. You know, we were like, Mary, Mary's not going to be completely fluent in this language after a few weeks. So yeah, uh, we were allowing Mary to be wrong sometimes. <laughs> I would love to ask, and we did get this sent in as a question from a listener as well, because it's something that we've spoken about a little bit when we've been covering the books. How, what is your like instinct between of the relationship between Atal and Mary? Because there is some vibes in the book that we get that it's more than just a friendship, that there might be some kind of romantic link there between them. What do you think about that? Because that's, we read it for the first, like, together for the for the pod and we were like there is some there's some vibe there's a vibe for sure and a lot of our listeners she's a particular friend particular particular friend friend. yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, but i think if we're gonna talk about it i'm sort of avoiding the whole bestiality (laughs) honestly (laughs) we were exactly the same when we when we were reading it we were like but but, i think you can maybe there's an emotional connection much more than there's a physical connection (laughs) There is definitely a very, very deep emotional connection, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's anything sexual yeah. going on <laughs> with Mary and the feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a very, very deep emotional connection for sure. I think they're they're kindred spirits for sure, um, and uh, yeah, I suppose you can have that kind of a connection with with some with a creature like a towel with without it ever them ever having to be shipped <laughs> as they say on Twitter. <laughs> but i yeah i i think by the time she has to leave her it's um they never wanted it to be so we had done this very long emotional scene where i was saying goodbye to a towel and when i saw the edit in um in adr stephen was with me in the room and i said you cut that very fucking short <laughs> Because we had filmed this whole thing. And he said, it's just before Will and Lyra say goodbye to each other. So we can't kind of proceed that their big goodbye scene with an even more emotional goodbye scene between Mary and Tal. Yeah. Which I totally understood. So I was like, you're dead right. You're dead right. So they had to cut it down quite a bit because it was getting very emotional. Because I was like, Mary is saying goodbye to this like soulmate of hers you know it's devastating but it's not as devastating as Will and Lyra obviously. I guess if we're touching on hanging out with Will and Lyra how Hmm. was that once um, Amir and Daphne came on set and you moved away from working solely with puppets pretty much uh, how was that process did you enjoy getting to work with the kids and play the serpent? That, that was great, yes, to have 
I was in Spain with those two. So, so we had that whole Spain journey together. We were all staying in the same hotels and traveling together and stuff. So that was, so I was hanging out with them a lot, even though we weren't filming together. Um, and we filmed some stuff in Spain together. And then in the studio, I remember one day though, I guess it was when we were around the fire pit doing our big scenes there that I did look over and Olivia was kind of sitting to one side with a towel's head. And, I, and like I had forgotten they were there for, for a while because the kids are so energetic and I was messing with the kids when we were chatting and I looked over and I was like, oh my God, we've been leaving a towel out of the conversation. <laughs> and Olivia's kind of like hidden behind this head. So sometimes you kind of forget that Olivia's there. And Olivia's kind of a very quiet person. She's quite, I mean, she's perfect for a towel, right? Um, so that was kind of, yeah, I felt guilty about leaving a towel. But uh, yeah, working with the kids was great and doing and they were just fantastic. Those emotional scenes at the end. I mean, they're brilliant. They're brilliant actors. And I got to work with with Ruta Gidmintis, which was amazing as well. I'd wanted to do something with her for ages. She's a lot of fun. And and we had a lot of fun when we went to Oxford together and we went to uh, Spain. She was in Spain as well. And yeah, that was that was great that I got to work yeah. with her. Amazing. Yeah, that last episode. I know you haven't seen it yet because you are watching on the BBC. Oof, it's good. I remember we me- we messaged you after we watched it and you were like, I haven't seen it yet. And we were like, oh my yeah. God, it's so good. But it really is great. It really is really good. Oh, oh good. Good. Um, I guess, yeah. speaking of, we kind of already asked you this in our Instagram DM, but I know we had so many questions from listeners uh, when we put a call out for questions. A lot of them was about the decision to make Mary queer and we spoke to Francesca Gardner uh, just before Christmas and she gave us her her take on that and we'd love to hear what you think about it because we've always read Mary is queer um I think even when we spoke Mm -hmm. to you in season two we were like yes (laughs) so yeah what what are your thoughts on that I always did too and I, I read the book so many years ago that I don't remember what I initially thought when I read I can't remember what I thought. And uh, when I went back to read uh, the books again, when we were filming season two, I was reading Subtle Knife and I was thinking, oh, just somewhere in the back of my mind, I was reading Who's Queer. And then got to book three and she had that monologue about the marzipan and she mentioned a guy and I went, oh, oh, hang on. Oh, that feels weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just didn't sit right. And I think as well, I know, uh, I do know a couple of women from my hometown who were nuns and left the sisterhood and they were gay and so I had in my head like oh she's just like this person and then when that when that monologue happened I went oh oh no she can't no her whole reason oh my whole backstory's gone what the hell but the backstory in my head is completely gone now and then uh I spoke to Leanne Wellam about it who's our one of our our directors in season two I woke, spoke to, spoke to her at the rap party and I said and I think Mary's gay. I, I, I think I should call Jack at some point and say, when he's writing season three, can he take that into consideration? Because I just think it's weird if she isn't. Um, and Leanne said, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. And uh, when season two aired, I saw a lot of the fans felt the same way as I did. And I thought, OK, now, definitely, if everybody feels the way that I feel, then... I, I might have a battle on my hands because it's not the way the books are, but I never got to speak to Jack, but I did have a phone conversation with Dan that I remember really clearly. Oh, Dan, I want to I wanna put something to you and just, I know it's not in the books, but I think Mary's gay. And he went, oh yeah, 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 totally. And I went, oh my God, you, you agree? And he said, oh yeah, no, no, we've, we've all had that discussion here. Yeah, we agree. And I, I thought I was going to have a battle on my hands. <laughs> and the fact that it had already been discussed amongst them and uh, and it wasn't a battle at all, and we all absolutely agreed. Me- meant that I was like, okay, great. If we all agree, and the fans all agree, this isn't even a discussion anymore. This is who she is. For me and Rich, when we were watching it, and that literally as soon as you said she, we were like, what? It like just caught us off guard, and we were just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just like, what? She? I think I've like because we watched it separately, and we were like messaging each other. I think I have like the WhatsApp chat where we're both just like, she? Oh my god! Like, yeah, that was it. I think that was the first time 
that I cried in that episode because I cried a lot in that episode and I think that's mm-hmm. what set me off. That was a beautiful scene, actually. If you would like to tell us about the filming of that scene, that gorgeous dinner party and the marzipan moment and that little connection, like, it was beautiful. And that monologue. <laughs> yeah, so we filmed the stuff in Spain first, which is good. It's good to sort of play the scene. And I didn't know how they were going to cut it together. So it all seemed quite quick, but, you know, going back and forwards between the monologue and, and, and the dinner table. And I, and I, I wanted it to be that as the camera was coming down the table and you were seeing people at either side, you, you didn't know who she was going to look at at the table, who that connection was going to be with. And then the actress who played the part, she was lovely and she had such a huge smile. She had such a warmth coming from her as well that uh, that it was lovely. And we had to do a lot of just improvising with each other across the table. But there was a bunch of extras at the table <laughs> who were supposed to be talking to each other as as her and I are improvising, you know, and she's giving me the marzipan suite. And we were just um, creating sort of, uh, I would ask her questions about where she was from. And she was asking me questions about what I studied. and um they would all go quiet and just stare at us <laughs> so we were feeling really on show so i had to say because of course they, they're they're thinking oh this is interesting this conversation these two are having so i had to say a couple of times can can all of the extras continue talking to each other so it's like so that this is a private moment between these two people that becomes really intimate um but they kept doing it it was really funny i <laughs> I had to ask a few times, but it was like the the place that we were in Ronda in Spain and it was absolutely stunning. Like the setting was gorgeous. And there was a woman as well who was so annoyed, some local woman like in that little square who was so annoyed that there was a film crew that she started blaring music from her windows. But it was really nice music. It was like classical, <laughs> I think. So we had this like, and I think she thought that she was going to be uh, upsetting the filming, but because there's a monologue, we didn't need the sound anyway. So we were like, well, now we have really nice music. <laughs> uh, so that was, and then, you know, we was back in kind of cold Cardiff then when we did the the, the monologue by the fire pit. Um, but to But to have played the scene and to know what she looked like in my head now, because I had met her, that was, that was much easier. I'm glad we filmed it that way around. It was... It was nice and um, yeah, and, and that that's that was all directed by Harry Woodliffe, who did who did F eight, um, and she just kind of let me do my thing when when we you know when we got back and I did the monologue, she just didn't really give it. And Francesca was there on the day we tweaked a couple of bits of the script, and uh, yeah, it was it was quite nice, amazing. I love that. Um, how? Because I guess that monologue is kind of simultaneously it's this gorgeous memory scape that's happening, but also your portraying it to the kids in such a beautiful way how I don't know how did it feel kind of playing that we've said it before that like Mary has this kind of like mother mother mm. energy um that she exudes especially for Lyra but now for Will as well and how was it kind of like forging that relationship with the with the with the two kids and kind of simultaneously being really involved and giving them that push that they needed that Lyra and Will needed to realize what they saw in each other but also take that step back and like give them the space they needed was that kind of an interesting balance to work yeah, with yeah certainly that monologue because they're so much younger than her uh opening yourself up to teenagers when you're my age and telling them about like the really intimate details of when you first fell in and as well for mary we did say when she first says she that's the first time that those two realize she's gay as well I think so is there a moment when she starts slightly has to um brave herself up a little bit just because she's not used to saying and she's not used to opening herself up to people um and and that there's still perhaps those demons in her head that she would have had when she was a teenager uh so I had those discussions with with um Daphne and Amir and I and I and I said to them look you guys your generation are a lot more fucking with it than mine were when we were your age like it was I was a teenager in the 90s when it when you just didn't say that if you grew up in a small town you just didn't fucking say it about yourself and I said but I guess maybe Mary's much easier saying it to you guys because you know your generation are a lot more with it now and both of them went well not necessarily it's still 
it's still, you know, a hard thing to come out when, you know, for teenagers that we know too. And I said, okay, good. That's good to know. That's good to know. So, uh, I mean, playing the scene with those two kids are, they're, they're incredible. I keep calling them kids. They're, Daphne's literally just turned 18. They're grownups. They feel like kids to me. Um, <laughs> but it, it, what, what, what works in real life, basically, it translates that, that, that thing of, uh, someone who's a lot older opening themselves up to people who are a lot younger and and trying not to i suppose op- uh, scare them off or you know tell them too much there's there's a delicate balance i suppose and and it is just enough for those two to then go off and be brave enough to confess their love to each other yeah yeah for sure for sure so one thing that I'd love to ask you, and we spoke a tiny little bit about this at Hair Festival, is your hero prop, the spyglass. Mm. And at Hair Festival, you told us, you said, it's very different to the book. It's very different to what you think it's going to be. And obviously now we've seen it. We know that it's found rather than made, all that kind of stuff. How did you, what was your involvement in it? And how did you feel about it and using it and all that kind of good stuff that comes with the spyglass? Yeah, we had, so... um after I read, I guess it must have been the montage in F5, which initially, I don't know if it's still because I haven't seen it yet, but this is the, the montage where we get to see her find the spyglass. And then that, that's right. Okay. Yes. Um, so when I read it first, I was like, oh, oh, but she doesn't, she doesn't make it. Um, okay, hang on a minute. I want to make this fine glass. <laughs> so, so I had a lot of notes about that montage. First of all, I think what they were doing was staying really close to the book, which is that Mary's sort of still quite upbeat and still, you know, very curious and stuff. And I said, but we've extended the timeline. So I had this great Zoom with Jane and Dan and Francesca, and uh, uh, and they were just really open to hearing what my my thoughts about it were which is which is lovely which is you don't always get that and I said okay so one of my things is that Mary doesn't make a spyglass and shouldn't we keep that (laughs) and they talked about the um about what a spyglass looks like and the connotations that it has the whole white savior thing the whole arriving on a ship in a native land with your spyglass and what sort of connotations that image has. And they never wanted it to be, and Francesca was quite strong about this, they never wanted it to be that Mary arrives and saves the Malefa. Um, That they actually are a far more evolved species, in fact. The fact that they can see dust, the fact that they know how important the land is and the trees are and and that they've they're they're not destroying their own (laughs) earth and that they just know things that humans are really out of touch with um they thought it would just be more natural and look a lot better and be a lot less colonial (laughs) uh, imagery to have it be a natural looking thing that yes she doesn't make it but she still figures out how to find the right type of one and, and, and the, the whole... And it is an accident. The spyglass is an accident in the book as well. The, 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 the seed oil, it's, it happens accidentally. That, so that what, once they told me what they were thinking was behind it, I went, oh my God, you're absolutely right. That's, that's perfect. And when I saw it, it's, it is quite beautiful. And Joel, he's such an incredible designer. I mean, oh, oh, I, I'd go with all of his stuff. And the only thing that sort of I, I fought a little bit for was the idea that if we're extending... The period of time that Mary is traveling alone, Mary can't be upbeat anymore. By the time she meets the Malefa, she needs to be exhausted, tired, hungry, <laughs> upset. You know that that because it's longer. It's a longer period of time in, in the show than it is in the books. And so we had this, yeah, really great chat where I heard what their reasoning behind things was. One of the things they weren't going to do was have Mary climb the tree. They were going to have it be that there was a a way up. I said, no, Mary climbs the tree. So they built me a tree <laughs> to climb. They actually literally, Joel went, okay, we're going to build you a tree. And they built me a tree and I did a climbing lesson. I think it's for like all of two seconds of the show, but there you go, I climbed a tree. <laughs> I just wanted her to be a little bit, um, I suppose, proactive and not just reactionary all the time. Um, but yeah, so that cost them money. <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
No, I love that. And we did, we just, we literally just recorded our episode four, episode five last week and spoke about it. And we did agree that Mary looked absolutely knackered by the time that she met the Malefa. Yeah, she had to be, right? She's got a little bag in her back. She doesn't even have a tent. Like, and I'm sure there's been a lot of nights in different worlds where she hasn't had somewhere to sleep other than under some trees. And yeah, I think she should be absolutely wrecked by the time she gets there. Mm. It was really sad to, to see her upset. We were like, no, Mary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. <laughs> and then having a having a little nap and waking up to mystery fruits and snacks and just immediately eating them <laughs> without just wondering maybe if the berries in this world might be poisonous I to her. I think she is just so <laughs> fucking hungry at this stage. Yeah. And she's like, someone's made me a platter. But I'll tell you what, we, we filmed that and I was told beforehand, look, there's some scorpions around here. So just if you're lifting up any stones, just don't. Um, so that was <laughs> nice to hear. So then I had to lie down on the ground in this T-shirt and pretend to be asleep. <laughs> uh, every time I ate some berries, they would take the rock away and they would place fresh berries on it and we would do the scene again. And after the first take, they came back and they all looked a little bit, ooh. And I said, what's happened? And they said, yeah, there was a baby scorpion under the berries. <laughs> and I said, oh, but baby scorpions, they're probably not as poisonous. And they said, no, no, they're more poisonous. So I could very well have popped a fucking baby scorpion in my mouth and I wouldn't have known the difference until I was dead. Oh my God. Um, so, yeah. Oh. Well, glad so, guys, I suffered. I, so I nearly died from my heart. You did. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, we got to the end of the series. Yes, luckily. One question that we got from uh, a listener called Lizzie, they asked... What do you think happened to Mary when she got back? Do you think that she stayed friends with Will? Do you think she went back to the university? I know Philip recently said on Twitter, because somebody asked him this question, and he said that Mary and Will stayed friends. What do you think happened yeah, to Mary? Yeah, and then in, in, his, in, the, in the latest book that he brought out, did you see that the um, Imagination Chamber, the book that he brought out last year? He, he mentions... Yeah, so we haven't read that yet. Oh, okay. There's one... It's just... They're just tiny little slivers of the characters. Um, it's just a little companion book, really. One of them talks about this guy that works in the college with her, I think. God, he doesn't ask any questions about the seeds that she's uh, planted. Because obviously these trees are going to be really unusual um do, do, do they have it in the show that i take the seeds from a towel did that stay in the edit do you remember can you remember it I don't oh my God. i i don't know you know because we've only seen that episode once it's not something that is immediately springing to mind right. but i guess well, we'll we see. filmed that uh, a towel hands me a few seeds as i'm leaving before i hug her okay Just keep an eye out for it yeah, so the idea I think that Philip has is that she does go back to Oxford and she does plant the seeds and that in, in, in some patch of land where she's got a friend who doesn't ask her any questions about these strange trees or where she got them from. Um, and he has said before that Will becomes a doctor. And I think the fact that Mary is a scientist has probably helped. I, so I'd say she's had some kind of influence over his life and his education. Uh, the fact that his mother is um, suffering with mental health issues, I reckon Mary has probably stepped in a little bit to help and be, a, a, I, I imagine, another parent figure, an auntie figure or something. And, and particularly if he becomes a doctor, I imagine that's got something to do with Mary as well. So I'd like to think that they're very close. And I'd like to think that as Philip is now writing the yeah. next book, that he takes that into consideration and has last scenes with Mary and Will. <laughs> I don't know. I hope he brings them back in the next book. I'd love him to. Yes. But oh, God, yeah. So many people are like talking about how they want them like at least to see like Will and Mary in the next book. Like even a lot of people are saying like, even if it's just in a dream, like even if Lyra just dreams about them or something, like just give us a little sliver of like, well, like, he has he has in the secret commonwealth that, that she's seeing his demon right that the cat is yes. know, so oh, yeah i feel the same <laughs> <laughs>
right at the end of the season, we know you've not seen it yet because you're only on episode four, um, but we know that Mary gets to finally see her demon and interact with her demon and learns how to see her demon in this world. Uh, how was it filming that? I guess you don't actually know exactly what that looks like there yet, or did you get to see any of the edits before it's gone? Somebody come out? put a, um, it up on Twitter, I think, or Instagram. I saw, it, I saw, so I saw it there. So I'm seeing everything out of kilter. Uh, it's smaller than I imagined. Actually, I thought an alpine chaff, chaff would be a little bit bigger. It's quite small. It's dinky. It's really cute. <laughs> it's cute. I thought, thought it'd be more like a crow. Um, they did, and I think I, we probably talked about this at Hay Festival as well, they did think about making a different bird just because each uh, demon that they create costs so much money that they already had a little, what was it a chaffinch or something they had? And they thought, well, that, that would work for Mary and, and they were going to do that. And they had created a puppet, which I didn't know about and until... A couple of days before we were filming, and Russell said, "Oh, it's 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 a chaffinch," and I said, "What the fuck? You can't change my soul. You can't change Mary's soul." <laughs> Luckily, I have a very close bond with Russell, and I was able to say, "What the fuck?" Um, so I said, "I think it's quite important that we, if we can." that we stay with the demon that Philip has created because there's a reason for it. Now, <laughs> Philip might go, actually, that wasn't right. <laughs> but to me, if it's cute, if it's a cute, colourful little bird, we don't get the flip side of who Mary is. I thought there was something about an alpine chaff, which I, because I had obviously read up a lot about what they're like as birds so that I could learn a little bit more about them and what Mary's, what this other side of Mary is. And they're very independent. They're very resourceful. They live in the mountains in Spain, um, which to me is not your little English garden bird. It's a very different kind of bird. And it says something about her as a person, about her resourcefulness and her independence that I thought was really important to hang on to. So I said, actually, I don't think a cute little garden bird is, is right for her. I think that's what she maybe is in the exterior as a person but really there's another side to her that's so much more steely um and he went okay jesus so, so they brought a few bird puppets with them to set that day and olivia was like well this is the one we created and it was gorgeous the little chaffinch i said i'm really sorry olivia but um can we use that wee magpie instead so we used a magpie on the day which is a bit bigger than what has ended up in the show it's um but yeah, it was nice. It was, uh, yeah, Harry directed that bit as well. And uh, and that was nice. That was a nice day because that was the day that I got to work with um, Ruta. But we did that scene where me and Ruta are walking together, which is a nice moment. So that's the story of the demon. <laughs> We're glad that you got the one that you wanted. It's very important. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And fans tend to be. I saw, I saw what they were all saying when they changed Ruta's demon. <laughs> It's like, oh God, I don't want to get any grief. We, we were part of Goosegate. It was very, it was very dramatic. Yeah, see, I didn't want Chaffgate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing that I think a lot of people wanted to know is just what were some of the standout moments for you as, of for this entire journey? Obviously, you were with the show for two seasons. Is there anything in particular during that time that particularly stands out to you as being a particularly great memory um i think it's more the bonds the people that you come away with than than single moments uh i think spain generally that that those couple of weeks we had in spain were amazing just because we were at a different location every couple of days and um and really beautiful places as well and uh and having that yeah that time to do all that guerrilla filmmaking with with russell was amazing but just, yeah, some of the people that have come into my life through the show um, are the standout things for me, the relationships and the kind of the collaboration and um, and growing in confidence with the character as it went along and um, trusting in my own voice and trusting that I knew the character well enough to be able to speak for her. And, you know, that whole experience was amazing. Um Rather than single moments, I mean, there's so many moments, but there's no like 
one single moment mm-hmm. i think yeah we had so many when we put a call out for questions we had so many people literally just say we don't have a question but just please thank simone for being the perfect mary and we completely agree thank you honestly when you first got cast we were like amazing yes love it and then you have just embodied her perfectly and honestly i haven't seen any fan say any differently oh that's lovely oh thank you (laughs) i think i speak for everyone when i say we definitely want to have more simone energy in our lives and so if there is anything that you've been working on since his dark materials wrapped or that you've got coming up in the future that we need to keep an eye out for please do tell us about it so that we can watch everything that you do (laughs) yeah i'm sure um i've got stuff coming up but nothing nothing like nothing like mary so i'm yeah i want to get my teeth into something like that again something like her or, or that kind of a show yeah also, thank you for being such a big supporter of the podcast. You have yeah, always been yes. like a great supporter of us. And yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's been great to like get to know well, you. You're great. What are you, you going to do now? We've got to finish the Amber Spyglass book <laughs> after the TV series is done. It's going to mm-hmm. take us to like September. <laughs> oh, is it really? Oh, okay. Okay, grand, grand. <laughs> We're about halfway through the book when the TV series started and we've paused doing book chapters. And then what's so. going to be the next obsession after Dark Materials? What's the next book or TV show? What are you going to do? Thankfully, there's a second trilogy. <laughs> Phil could just finish yeah, writing it. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, okay, so yeah. you haven't done the book Dust yet? No, we, we, we're set no. for quite some time if we do the books of <gasps> okay. Dust. So I think, fingers okay. crossed, <laughs> this is it. You're stuck with us for Yay! many years to come. And if you ever, ever... <laughs> want to talk about the books of dust with us we would love to have a chat with you about those well so. let's see when the next book comes out if there's any more mary <laughs> yeah that would be amazing yeah, yeah. we can all just bully philip <laughs> yeah. is there anything that we've not asked you that you're like oh, i wish people would ask me this no i've the probably said way too much and i'm probably gonna get myself in trouble for the amount of in stories i've told on people <laughs> You shouldn't have told them we were going to do that. Um, so, uh, no, I'd get myself in trouble if I spoke anymore, I'm sure. Oh, one question that I'd love to ask you is, do you have, a, like, a top... I mean, it doesn't have to be limited to just one, but as a watcher of the show, I know you've not seen all of the third season yet, do you have, like, a particular moment that you loved from the show? It doesn't have to be your scenes, it can be anybody else's. Do you have, like, a favourite moment? Uh, oh, God, I'm trying to think back now because it's been, like, I've watched one per week. So the most, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the most recent comes to mind, um, which is Pan at the end of the pier. Stop. <gasps> mm. Like... <laughs> god it's just rude honestly <laughs> but look it's also like daphne is acting her little heart out you know and she's screaming and you know and and um i think the the bloody puppet steals the, the the moment because i guess i don't know we all as humans we have this instinct to look after animals <laughs> like and to feel more for animals sometimes than we do for humans. I was like, yeah. oh my God, Pan. The idea of this, because Pan feels like a child, right? Pan doesn't feel as old as Lyra because he's just this tiny little creature. For him to be left alone, like a, like a it's like she's leaving a baby at the end of the beer. Yeah, that was tough. Mm-hmm. And then my kid, I could kill him. I love him. But you know what he did? I said to him as we were about to watch the episode, I said, okay, only a certain amount of questions. Okay, so you can't pause every two seconds. I will answer all your questions at the end, but only really important questions that you're confused about. And he went, okay, okay, okay. So he paused a couple of times. Literally, Lyra was mid-scream and he fucking picked up the remote control and he paused it and he went, hang on. So if her, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> he said, why isn't Will screaming if he's being ripped apart? And I said, that's a really good question because actually... In the books, he is, right? In the book, he does feel it too. We don't get that far in because it, the episode ends. But um, it's a good question. But I could kill you for pausing mid-Daphne mid scream. <laughs> but that was a lovely moment. <laughs> Apart from my son uh, pausing mid-scream, that was a beautiful moment. It is. It's very well done. And I think his questions might be answered next episode. You'll oh, good. See? see? You know more than me. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yes thank you so much Simone honestly we appreciate your time we appreciate your support we appreciate your Mary just everything oh, thank you it's yeah. been really nice to get to know you over the last couple of years oh thanks guys I appreciate you too oh Simone Simone we love you so much we do we do thank you so much Simone for your time for everything for giving us Mary I said it in the interview I said it to Simone but yeah thank you again um it's such a joy to speak to Simone and hear truly all the stories that she has to tell us I just love it I'm just really sad that we don't get to watch her being Mary well we do we've got a few more weeks of doing this podcast and the tv series but like I want more Mary honestly (laughs) I want more Simone (laughs) when we've like interviewed people for season three it's really made me sad at the end because usually we're like and you're gonna come back on for the next season right and they're always like yeah and now I'm like well when are you gonna come back on will we ever see you again right (laughs) we will make a way to get Simone on the podcast again we will we will find life will find a way (laughs) yes hopefully hopefully yes because she is just such a joy to speak to and we hope you all enjoyed hearing Simone talk so eloquently about her time on his star materials truly the only Mary Malone yes. that I will ever accept from now on is Simone Kirby. The one and only Indeed. Mary Malone. <laughs> we love you, Simone. We do. We do. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from merch. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking to Simone, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to Simone about all things demons and dust, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at Rachmakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over on my online shop, rachmakes.co.uk. A huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and an even bigger thank you to Simone Kirby for her time, her joy, her energy and her performance. (laughs) Yeah, everything. Absolutely. (laughs) And we'll see you soon. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Thank you, Simone. Oh my God, Simone.